there, and welcome back to the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com on Rivals. Uh, definitely hit your subscribe button wherever we happen to come across your screen here so that you can get updates anytime we go live, usually Wednesday or Thursday or so. Um, we have a lot to talk about today in pretty much every sport, even though, you know, obviously a lot of off-season has begun, spring practice is over for football. <clears throat> but um, before we get into all that, uh, as always, we kind of start with some recruiting. And wow, we had quite the recruiting uh, week last week. We kind of teased it a little bit uh, on last week's show, but we did a early week show last week because of the spring game and stuff. Um, yeah, you had three recruits in one day last, I believe it was Wednesday. Um, you had Kelvin Hunter and Mike Williams both commit at noon on Wednesday, and then Braden Lee later that afternoon. All three of those guys had attended the previous weekend before uh, the spring game and everything. Um, Kelvin Hunter, in-state three-star safety, but one that I think could get a bump uh, before it's all said and done. Um, I know that he just participated in the, um, what is it, the Under Armour uh, camp event that was in Rock Hill. Um, some of the rivals national team was there to see that. Um, also, interesting note on that, Mazio Bennett won the camp MVP Ooh. of that, um, which there was some discussion uh, internally, I think, about whether or not he was truly a four-star or not. I mean, you, win a, you go out and win a MVP. A camp MVP, like yeah. Uh, I, I think that kind of solidifies that position. Um, the other guys, so you had an offensive lineman, Mike Williams. He's a three-star out of that DMV area, went to the same school as uh, Desmond e. Miozulu. And then also cornerback, Braden Lee, who's a four-star Rivals 250 player uh, out of that same school, Flowers. Um, so you got three guys um, now uh, between Desmond e. Miozulu and then the two 2024 guys uh, out of Flowers, Charles M. Flowers or Charles F. Flowers or whatever it is, one of, someone's name. Uh, high school over there in Maryland. Um, and, I mean, we've, we've talked about it several times before, right? The DMV pipeline can definitely be defined uh, as a pipeline at this point between the last few classes. Um, and pretty much all of those guys that committed last week um, in their commitment interviews, which you can go back and read all of those on GameCrossGroup.com, just, you know, scroll last week or whatever, but we got some exclusive interviews with each of those three guys and and pretty much all three um, before uh, their interview was over mentioned Dylan Stewart, um, who is another DMV area guy, four-star edge, um, one of the highest rated edges in the class, definitely one of the highest rated players in the whole region. Um, We've talked before about how it's going to be a long process with this one, just like it was with Nicholas Harbor. but I think South Carolina is still in great position with them, and um, we've seen how well the peer recruiting uh, has been working. Um, they're getting Dylan Stewart back on campus for an official visit at the end of June, which is the big uh, official visit weekend of the summer. Uh, all the commitments are going to be coming down. Dante Reno, Camp Ringo, all those guys. Um, and, yeah, they're going to put on the full-court press. I still think you're looking at South Carolina, you're looking at Georgia, you're looking at Ohio State as kind of the, the three big contenders there. Um, still a long way to go, but I think you've put yourself in as good of a position as you can. Um, I know you tweeted 
kind of uh, last Wednesday after all of those recruits committed about the DMV pipeline. What are you, what are you thinking or seeing as the, the main reason that uh, all these DMV area kids are so interested in South Carolina? I think it goes it goes to Shane Beamer's name, or I guess the Beamer name still holding a lot of weight in Virginia from the Virginia Tech time. I think that's a big Torian Gray thing. Obviously, with a guy like Calvin Hunter, who's a safety, but just in general, Torian Gray spent time at Virginia Tech. He spent time with, well, I guess they're the Washington football team now, but the NFL franchise in D.C. Um, and then I think there's also something to be said, which someone else made this point, too, for geography, that it's the closest SEC school to D.C. Um, if you want to play SEC football and still be, I don't know, what is that, eight hours from home by a car, seven, something like that, um, you can do that in Columbia. You can't do that anywhere else in the SEC. Yeah, it was either Mike Williams or Braden Lee. I can't remember which of the two said it last week, but they said basically it's the sweet spot um, yep. for a college kid where you're getting away from mom and dad a little bit, um, but you're not like so far away that they can't come see you play. And then obviously the added factor of you being the closest SEC school. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been really impressive to see, and I think they're not done yet um as far as overall the 2024 class which we have been targeting pretty much since we we took over uh on rivals a little over a year ago um as the potential breakout class for beamer which of course the 2023 class was great in its own right uh but the 2024 class is currently ranked number eight in the rivals team rankings um they have 10 total commits eight of them four stars uh, by rivals and then two, three stars there. Um, although, like I said, we'll we'll see if even um, someone like Kelvin Hunter can kind of work their way yeah. up further. Um, yeah, I mean, you if you if you look back at the rivals rankings over the last you know since the beginning of time, <laughs> since the beginning of their recorded history, two thousand two, um, I think two thousand. Yeah, it was when they started two thousand seven. Uh, South Carolina finished number six. And that's the highest ranked uh, class they've had in the Rivals era. So, um, you know, could the 2024 class kind of push the envelope on that highest ranking ever? Uh, you landed Dylan well, Stewart, you look Lance at the and these other guys, you know. 2007 class, well, those guys are seniors and redshirt juniors in 2010 when you break through and win the East for the first time. And then those are your fifth-year guys there. They're in 2011 when you – what did they win 11 games that year? Like you see what that leads to a few years later. It's a different college football now than it was then, but still. Yeah. And honestly, you look back at that 2007 class. Now, some of those guys were overrated. Um, I know you got a five star in Chris Culver uh, back in that class that he was, he was a solid player, but he wasn't a five star. Um, but still, I mean, the, the rankings mean something. It, it shows up on the... Who else is in that 07 class? Do you have it, do you have it in front of you? Uh, actually, I can in just a second because I have the 2024. Just curious. Right I'm trying to think who else there might have played a part in the 2010 team or the 11 team. Give me two seconds. Um, but anyway, I do think that it's possible uh, that we see them stay in this top 10 range and keep this momentum going. Um, and got some of the recruits, which I did last week. Some of them think that you could be number one overall. All right, here's some names uh, that I remember contributing. You had four-star Wesley Saunders, who ended mm -hmm. up being a tight end, but he was a defensive end uh, in that recruiting class. 
We have four-star wide receiver Dion Leekhorn, who actually flashed pretty early but got hurt uh, pretty tragically in a spring game uh, early in his career and never really bounced back from that. Uh, you had three-star DB Antonio Allen. who had a pick six against Clemson, I think. Yeah, he played some years in the NFL as well. Yep. Um, let's see. I, there are some names that are a little overrated here, right? You got four-star DT Olufemi uh, Ajaboy. I remember. I don't remember uh, how to say his first name, but I do remember Ajaboy. He he was a contributor, but I don't know that he lived up to that four-star status. Uh, you got two-star Pat DeMarco. Yeah, uh, he's, he's a big part of that. Yeah, he, absolutely. Still around the football building. Played a absolutely. decent career in the NFL, too. Yeah, also had some NFL. Um, you had four-star Mark Barnes, who played some receiver, never really got it fully together. You got four-star Steven Garcia, obviously. There you go. That's a big one. Um, four-star Melvin Ingram, obviously. Was a Huge part of that. Yeah, he's a first-round pick. Um, another kind of overrated uh, guy. You had four-star Jason Barnes. Uh, he had a couple catches. He wasn't. He didn't live up to the billing. Four-star Joseph Hills, another wide receiver that didn't really live up to the billing there. Um, four-star Cliff Matthews definitely was a big yeah. part of that. Um, four-star Travian Robertson was definitely a part of that. Um, and then four-star Brian Maddox. I remember uh, at the time, I mean, I was a junior in high school at that point. So I'm pretty sure we played Brian Maddox in a jamboree or something. And <laughs> I didn't think that he was a four-star. And I don't know that he necessarily ended up uh, living up to that potential as a player. Um, but he was solid and, and, and scored uh, a lot of goal line touchdowns and stuff. Well, um, more to the – I guess more to kind of what I was getting at, though. You look at a recruiting class with a Stephen Garcia, a Melvin Ingram, a Pat DeMarco, and Antonio Allen, and you see eventually what if you – stat classes and you coach well and you catch a few breaks along the way, what that can turn into. Definitely. And, uh, you know, I think we're starting to see that come to fruition. 23 threes class. I, don't, I just closed out, but I think it was ended up like 15th or so yeah. in the rivals rankings. And we're looking at the potential of a top 10 2024 class. So um, I know that the past few years have been really exciting I mean, we, we had a blast at that Tennessee game this past year. Um, but uh, I do think, yeah, the the future is looking even brighter than, you know, maybe even last season, next season sort of thing. Um, we'll talk a little bit more football here shortly, but there's a couple of basketball transfer news we need to get to as well. Um, since we last talked, men's basketball landed Miles Stute out of Vanderbilt. Um, I don't have his stats right in front of me, but I believe he averaged about nine points a game. Stute can shoot. That's what yeah. you need to know. Yeah. Stute can shoot. Stute can shoot. Um, and then they hosted BJ Mack for an official visit this past weekend. We've kind of talked about him several times at this point. Big time target uh, out of Wofford. Averaged like 16 points a game. Uh, a lot of big time schools are. I think his final him. five, I want to say. Alabama, Arkansas, Iowa, LSU, and South Carolina is his final five, I believe. Yeah, and from what I've heard, um, Alabama, Iowa, South Carolina are probably the top of that group. Um, so after his official visit to South Carolina, he tweeted that he was kind of going on a, a media hiatus while he and his family discuss what the next steps are. So we don't know when exactly he uh, is announcing that decision, but probably sometime soon. Um, and we will keep you guys in the loop as soon as we are able to share 
anything about that. Um, but yeah, uh, feeling, I, I mean, I still feel pretty good about South Carolina's place there. Um, to me, it'd probably be South Carolina or Alabama, if I'm guessing, but uh, we will know sooner than later. You, if you landed Mac, you would you talk about like a big picture, a Lamont Paris transfer portal class, because they'd be at what, 12 scholarships at that point, one under the limit. You'd be talking about Talon Cooper, Stephen Clark, Miles Stute, and BJ Mack as a quartet of your four new players. Well, plus two freshmen. That's overhauling your roster pretty solidly. I mean, you've got and probably a few new starters there. And getting a Brima Diva bag. So. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Didn't play at all last year. Another guy who can handle the ball, probably coming off the bench, but still. Um, yeah, if you can land Mack somehow um, to kind of round this out, put a bow on it, maybe an exclamation point is a better way to put it. Um, I think you feel really good if you're Lamont. And then yeah, on the women's side. Oh, go ahead. oh, sorry. I was just going to say, in that scenario, you don't have like a Gigi Jackson sort of right. signing like you had this past year, but I still think as a team, you're probably better than last year's um, because you just have more people that you can lean on. Pretty Because we talked all last year, if Hayden Brown or Michi or Gigi didn't go off in a game and like go off for like almost 30 points, uh, it probably was going to, especially against uh, a superior team or whatever, it probably was going to be an ugly one. So um, I think at the very least you have a more balanced roster if it ends up shaking out that one. It's a good way to put it. Balance, depth. Like I don't think you're screwed when you have to go to the second unit like they were at points this year. I don't think you're in trouble if one of your starters gets in foul trouble early like they were last year. Um, you're starting to see it now, but Mac would really just kind of cap it all off in a big way. And then to start out the transfers on the women's side, if you have nothing else on Mac or any of the men's stuff. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah. Um, Get, make sure I get that pronunciation right here. Tahina Pow Pow from Oregon. She's a junior guard. Um, she was a two-time first-team All-Pac-12 player. Um, kind of like Stute, she can shoot. She's a good outside shooter. She's a great free-throw shooter. She, You never want to make it like one-for-one. One. You can't necessarily replace, but she's kind of going to have the Zaya Cook role, I think, just being a guard who can handle the ball, who shoots, shoots a lot, kind of volume scorer. Um, that is Dawn's first pickup of the cycle. They're at 11 scholarships now. And Anissa Morrow, who was a second-team All-American last year um, at DePaul, just that would be a game-changer. She's put South Carolina in her top three, um, along with LSU and Southern Cal. So keep an eye on that one. Um, that would obviously be a big, big get for Dawn, and she's working on the reload again. But right now it's just pow-pow from Oregon. That's your one in the in the transfer boat so far for the women's basketball team. Yeah, and when you look at this, you know, record-breaking team and, you know, it's still – I think you can claim they were the best team in uh, women's basketball this past year, but obviously had an off night at the wrong time and, and sure. whatever. Um, but the one deficiency in the, and the, the thing that really got exposed in that Iowa game was the ability to, to make jump shots. So yeah. um, I think Pow Pow fills – that role. And then obviously you got full Wiley coming in. Yep. Uh, who is a shooting specialist. She's going to be a freshman. There'll be some growing things, but uh, I do think you're starting to see some of those deficiencies get filled this off season. I think you're looking at a different type of roster next year. Still a very good one, but just a, you know, last year is an inside out team. It's Boston, it's Cardoso. They still have Cardoso, but it's hammering it inside. But I think you're looking at more of a backcourt heavy team right now in 2023-24 season, just as it stands now on April 26th, still, you know, seven months or whatever from the start of the season. But that's kind of what I think at this point. 
Definitely. Um, and then let's talk a little football before we get into baseball, um, which is probably going to take the majority of the rest of the show. Um, so one thing that uh, we have running on the site this morning, um, because there was no midweek baseball game, is uh, Steven Anderson did his top five North Carolina wins. Um, obviously, North Carolina is the opening game of the 2023 football season. Um, he did top five wins for all of the opponents from 2022. You can go back and find those. I'm sure we're going to run them again uh, as we head into the season, at least the ones. Might that, need to update a couple of those. The Tennessee one, yeah. maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Might have to add a couple of 2023 wins there. Um, but yeah, just, just real quick, I thought it would be interesting to take a quick look at the schedule. What game or games, if you can't pick just one, um, are you most looking forward to this coming season? Um, for the sake of like going different from what you just said, I'll say another one, but I am really looking forward to North Carolina. Just that week one, Drake May, Spencer Rattler, neutral site, two new offensive coordinators. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Probably going to be a ranked matchup, but for the sake of kind of going off board um i'll say tennessee it's a road game this year it's a place they struggled two years ago big time in that game it's a place tennessee's gonna be you know kind of mad obviously um it's just gonna be an interesting one to watch on both sides it's week five so you're like kind of starting to get a sense of the teams but it's still pretty early um i'll say tennessee but i'm curious where you go yeah I, that would have been my uh choice but i'll, I'll pick something different just to to shake it up but um just to add to what you're saying like let's say everything goes kind of chalky uh to start the season let's say south carolina beats north carolina uh beats Furman, loses to georgia and beats mississippi state so you're sitting at uh three and one three and one at that point heading into tennessee and then you have like really the make or break stretch i think of the 2023 season there you got tennessee florida missouri texas a&m back to back to back to back you got a buy um, in there, right? Isn't the buy after Florida? You do not. Yeah, you have a buy after Tennessee. After uh, Tennessee, Florida, okay. Florida. Yep. Oh, um, yeah. But either way, I mean, four straight games that are that are going to be played, and that's going to make or break your season. And I think Tennessee really starts that stretch where you're like, okay, can this team compete for the top half of the uh, top, you know, third of the SEC East? Um, get into a position where I don't know if you have a great game against Georgia, maybe it got interesting, or if Georgia slips up a couple times, um, maybe you're you're in the conversation. Um, so yeah, I think that that's really just like who is number two in the SEC East between South Carolina, Tennessee, and Florida. I think you start to get that question answered that week. As far as um, another game that I'm looking forward to, um, I mean. Clemson, obviously. Yeah. North Carolina, obviously. I mean, I'm kind of looking forward to Kentucky. Uh, you get them late in the season this year. Uh, that's obviously turned into a pretty good rivalry. Um, and I'm sure there's some Kentucky people out there that are feeling disrespected by what I just said about South Carolina, Tennessee, Florida being the ones that are competing for number two in the East. Because um, Mark Stoops has built a solid program there at this point, and they uh, are – they got rid of their terrible offensive coordinator, but they also got rid of their NFL draft pick quarterback. So we'll have to see all of that shakes out. Yeah, and I guess if I throw one more on the board, just for the, you know, the they don't play them very often kind of thing, Mississippi State coming to Columbia, 
South Carolina has not played MSU since 2016, and even that was in Starkville. They haven't been to Williams-Brice since 2013 with the way the SEC schedule rotation is, which should be fixed when they come up with a new schedule. That's another episode for another day. First time in 10 years, Mississippi State's coming to Willie B. That's going to be fun and also early season interesting. It's week four. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I believe that was Dak Prescott's like freshman or sophomore year. Yeah, 2013. Yeah, he would have been there. Yeah, that's yeah. I didn't even think of it that way. But you're right. It's they got to fix the SEC scheduling. But we can talk about that another day. Well, I mean, it seems like it's going to work itself out with whatever they do with not the pods, yeah, but, but the the rotation that they're no team. Do. No team should be going ten years not playing another stadium in their conference. That's lunacy. Absolutely. And then the other football news this week, of course, is the NFL draft is tomorrow. Um, looking forward to that as someone who plays a lot of fantasy football, especially dynasty leagues and stuff. Um, as far as South Carolina guys, we could see Cam Smith get drafted at the back half of that first round. Um, I was looking at the – speaking of degenerate gambling and stuff, I was looking at the uh, DraftKings Sportsbook the other day and um, you can bet on like who makes it into the first round who the, those guys that are borderline and uh I'm trying to pull up the exact thing here so it's gamble first, responsibly um, yeah gamble responsibly of course uh cam smith is plus 400 to make it into uh the first round so not a impossible scenario um but the betting odds are against him getting drafted in that first round. Uh, but I think we could see both Cam Smith and Darius Rush drafted by the end of day two, so second and third rounds. Um, and then we were talking before we got started. Zach Pickens is a name we expect to hear called at some point uh, in the draft, and then maybe Javon Gwynn. Yeah, that's kind of what I think, too. I think you're, you've got it right with Rush and Smith, the two corners, probably go second or third round, probably Smith before Rush, but you never know if a team falls in love with Rush. Pickens feels kind of on that cut line, third, fourth round. Um, that would obviously push it to Saturday if he goes to the fourth round, but I think he can be a serviceable NFL player, especially a rotational piece in the middle, just kind of a run stopper. Um, Gwynn maybe gets picked. We'll see. I know he's not going to get drafted, but one guy I'm interested in is Nate Atkins. I, mean, I don't think he's going to get drafted just because he's long snapping now. That was something NFL teams wanted him to do just to make it more versatile. He's probably not an NFL tight end, but like who knows if a team takes an undrafted free agent flyer on Nate Atkins. Could be interesting. Yeah. I mean, you think of like Nick Muse got drafted yeah. in the seventh round last year, I think. Um, you could see something like that. Um, interestingly, back on the Cam Smith thing, uh, Jalen Hyatt is plus 250 to go on the first huh. round. Interesting. Um, but as we all saw in williams Bryce Stadium last year, um, I think Cam Smith got the better of that one-on-one -on -one battle. Um, so he's at least proven that he can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with some of these guys that are also in that same conversation. Um, but the quarterback class is pretty, pretty deep this year is really what your issue is um, if, you're, if you're Cam Smith. Yeah, it is. Um, not South Carolina related, but how do you think this quarterback thing is going to shake out while we're here? Because you've got Young, Stroud, Levis, Richardson, all kind of jumbled there. Yeah, I mean, to me, a lot of the stuff, if, if anyone's been paying attention to the rumor mill or whatever, Will Levis is rising on draft boards. And uh, it started with someone saying that the 
I think it was the Vikings or somebody were gonna were gonna trade up for it to number two and take Levis. Um, and then the betting odds for Levis going number one overall went kind of crazy imagine. because of like a Reddit post or something. So um, I think that's mostly someone has a good agent. That's uh, like this is the dumbest time of year. or whatever. Yeah, um, I think. I think when in doubt, um, when all this noise is happening, you know, days before the draft and everyone's trying to posture and figure out their contract position and, and all those sorts of things, go with like what's been the most true for the most long. And it sounded like for the longest time, the Carolina Panthers were going to take Bryce Young. And I still think that that's probably what's going to happen. Um, to me, it's tough. Like CJ Stroud seems to have a very stable floor as a potential NFL prospect, um, but he also has a more limited ceiling than Anthony Richardson and, and Will Levis. And, you know, I think everyone's kind of looking for the next Josh Allen, which is kind so of... Richardson. Yeah, but to me, that's a really dumb Bad strategy. way of look because that's <laughs> yeah. kind of the whole point, the whole reason we talk about Josh Allen is that doesn't happen very often. Like ever, um, where you go from someone that was completing like 50% of his passes to someone that's completing 65% plus, um, that pretty much never happens. So, uh, I mean, we saw both Levis and Richardson as South Carolina fans or South Carolina uh, writers this past year. You didn't see Um, Levis, well, that's true. We saw him the year, saw Kaya Sharon. Um, I still I mean, if you're watching SEC football, right, you saw some Levis. Yeah, but yeah no, just Le- Levis had some some injury issues this past year. I've never really understood the hype that much. Um, to me, he's like maybe a slightly more accurate Tebow. Yeah, um, I buy that. Which is fine, but I don't know that that works in the NFL. Anthony Richardson obviously has all the tools, but to me, he doesn't have great pocket awareness or accuracy. Is that something that he could figure out? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Um, but to me, it should still be Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. And then if you want to take your licks with those other guys, go for it. But I don't know. I, I guess it depends on the makeup of your NFL roster too, right? Like, do you want CJ Stroud, who could be like Kirk Cousins or something, where you're like, all right, this guy's solid. Um, or do you are you trying to hit a home run? But you might strike Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting for sure. I just wanted your thoughts on that. This, this is a South Carolina podcast, but I'm not as big of a Levis guy either. I do like Stroud. I think, like I said, I, I would be more comfortable with the higher floor guy and a guy who can flash, can pop. You saw that in the Peach Bowl last year. Um, and Richardson's just a wild card here that I'm interested to see who takes that risk. Um, should we get to baseball? Yeah, one more thing. I did see a couple of posts about the 2024 NFL draft. Um, and speaking of quarterbacks, yeah, and Spencer Rattler, um, at least was in that top 10 conversation of 2024 uh, prospects. But I think you got pretty rough. Um, so I, at the list I'm looking at right now, he is number 10. But you look at some of the names ahead of him, you got Sam Hartman. Uh, who is now at Notre Dame? He's going to have a big stage this year. You got Jaden Daniels. You got um, JJ McCarthy, which I think Rattler might be a better prospect than McCarthy, but that's just me. Maybe I'm just not used to seeing a, a decent quarterback in Michigan. In Michigan, um, yeah. You got Bo Nix ranked ahead of him, which I don't know if I what? can do that either. Um, right. <laughs> uh, 
Michael Penix Jr. at Washington. I do like him. Uh, Quinn Ewers. Mm, haven't seen it it's, yet. I was say we haven't seen it yet. That's really the question there. Um, Shadur Sanders at Colorado. Well, I, I don't know that you can. We can have a different conversation about Colorado another day and their 70 transfer portal or whatever the number is up to now. So I guess my point is everyone except for these top two, Caleb Williams or Drake May, who I think right. you pretty clearly put above Spencer Rattler. I think there's a lot of room for Spencer Rattler to kind of move up um, that list if he has a good season. So I don't know. Can you get Drake May week one? one? That's going to be a crazy big stage the more and more I think about it. That's true. Yeah. Um, especially, yeah, coming off of the hype of NFL draft season. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a fun one. Um, anyway. What were you trying to redirect? Baseball. Speaking of fun baseball. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The baseball teams, I heard they're like kind of good. They're, they're pretty good. They're, they're getting there. <laughs> it's, oh man. So they are coming off of a three game sweep of number four, Florida. They were three. I think now they're five, six. I don't know where they ended up in this week's poll. And South Carolina, of course, coming off of that sweep, jumped up to number three uh, behind LSU and Wake. Um, yes. Unfortunately, we did not get to see how the three-game series between LSU and South Carolina would shake out because they split those games. Um, but overall, coming through that stretch of LSU, Vandy, Florida, we kind of talked about across those nine games. Of course, we only got eight games. If you come out with a 500 or better re- record, you're looking pretty good. And they went five and three across those games. Um, so... They've been rewarded uh, by uh, ending right, ending up there in the top echelon. And I think you're through the hardest stretch of your schedule, although you're in SEC, so there's still going to be plenty of tough series yet to come. Um, what do they have to do now to? Well, I mean, do you want to? Let's talk the the Florida series a little bit, and then I do want to talk about how the how they're kind of playing out in this national seed the top eight national seed rankings um what did you see this past weekend I, I know you wrote a lot about this being kind of a exclamation point a statement on them saying like we are here we are legit and uh we're a force in 2023 college baseball i just saw a team with and we've kind of it's mark kingston got asked after game three about what he learned about his team from the stretch. And he had an interesting thing. He just said, well, I didn't really learn anything, but we confirmed what I already thought. I already thought we had a good lineup. I already thought we had a deep pitching staff, all that stuff. I just saw a team that comes in waves. Like I remember I was talking with someone Thursday. There's kind of a women's basketball effect here with the, the bench and the depth they had last year. Um, Thursday, Will Sanders should get his best start of the season, carries you there in that game. And then the offense breaks it open late. Go to Friday. You get a good outing from Jack Mahoney, turn it over to Eli Jones. Turn it over to Chris Veach. Saturday, you get another good outing from Matthew Becker. Turn it over to James Hicks. Veach closes it again. Like the pitching staff just comes at you and comes at you. Um, there's really, I mean, you think about it, like even with Noah Hall still injured with his back problem, you think about like Sanders, Mahoney, Becker, Jones, Hicks, Veach, Jerzenbeck, Proctor. There's eight, nine guys this staff trusts out there in big spots. And I compare that to Florida where all three days, once South Carolina got into their bullpen, they pretty much beat them up, especially that first game. Florida's bullpen gave up 10 runs the last two innings. It's pitching depth. It's all. It's what it always comes down to. It's what you need to get through a regional to get through a super regional, and they've got so many arms. Well, and the scary thing about the pitching uh, for other teams, <laughs> uh, the 
is that I think South Carolina, several of their key pitchers that are not named Will Sanders or Noah Hall, who, like you said, is missing, um, picked up a lot of confidence this past weekend. Yeah. There were several moments uh, where their back was kind of against the wall, bases loaded situations, runners in scoring position uh, with the ability to tie or take runs or whatever, and they just shut the door time and again all weekend long. Um, and I think that having that confidence is going to just continue to build that sort of like swagger and moxie that you need going down the stretch of this season that, all right, this is going to be my game. I don't care what situation I get thrown into. Um, I'm going to go out there and, and dominate it. And we, it, it was an impressive showing uh, finally defensively where they put it together. Uh, yeah. This past weekend, that's a good point too. And that's even with injuries. You've got Gavin Cassis who's hurt. Tom Lee Corey got hurt in the midweek last week. We'll get updates from Kingston on both of them tomorrow. Um, he's got a pre-series presser for next weekend. Uh, McGill is still out, obviously. But talking about, like, depth, he got a big weekend for Michael Braswell. You've kind of been waiting to see that from him. He said his confidence is really high. He had, I believe, five hits over the weekend, drew three or four walks, um, had a big double in that win on Thursday. They got the big inning going in the sixth. Um, you're just getting it from everybody. And then I don't even know what to say about Ethan Petrie at this point. But, like, he's still – having one of the best freshman seasons in college baseball history. I think it was like his fifth or sixth straight SEC honors yeah. this week. He got it, SEC freshman of the week again. Two for- more home runs over the weekend. It's absurd what's happening there. Um, and then I think your other takeaway is you've got – you thought you had one, but now you got a closer. Like you weren't really sure. You had some weird games early in the year. You kind of tried some different guys out. You had a lot of blowouts where you didn't need a closer. Uh was it three-run game on Friday and a two-run game Saturday? Chris Feech for the ninth inning, both times, three up, three down. Or no, I guess there was an error there on Saturday. But nowhere in runs allowed Friday or Saturday, two saves. You've got a closer, and it's your Presbyterian transfer who you thought was going to play outfield originally, of all people, which kind of just sums up how this season's going. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it goes right back to what my point was a second ago with the confidence and yeah. uh, the moxie or whatever. He just has that – attitude when he comes on the on the hill to close that you need from your closer um he i, I always love seeing people get fired up like that do you um, see him do the one two three at florida's dugout after the last <laughs> out saturday yeah <laughs> the little spencer Riley. <laughs> yeah that, that's kind of a good, what it was i didn't even think yeah. of that but yeah um all right so the question because yeah i think we've established after these three series and this was something that we talked about heading into the three series is they are capital g good um, yep. obviously you would have rather not lost the series to vanderbilt although there are several times that could have gone either way we talked a lot about the errors throughout that series um i think if you play out that series 10 times or whatever it's a 50 50 split or, or whatever it's too good um, to you someone had to lose it right um but yeah overall i think you kind of have have put your stamp on uh, your position. And um, I don't think that anyone could really claim that they're overrated at number three right now. So what do they need to do down the stretch uh, to earn a national seed? Because to me at this point, it would be a disappointment if you did not get a national seed. I think we're getting into that territory because that means that you really fell apart in some of these series down the stretch. Yeah, I think the term you use is just not tripping. 
Um, I think I, I wrote about this a little bit in my weekend wrap last week, but you're at 13 and four right now in the SEC. You've got four series to go, so that's 12 games scheduled. If you go six and six in those 12 games, that's 19 and 10 in the SEC. That's national seed. That's you win. That's a team winning almost two thirds of its games in the league. It would have had a chance at the 20 if the last LSU game had been played. If you go 19 and 10 in the SEC, you're getting a national seed almost always. You look back at the years. So in the simplest terms possible, six and six in the last 12 SEC games, I think they can do better. You can talk yourself into ways where they can go like, oh, they can be five and seven and still get a national seat here if this happens. But really, I think what you're looking at is you probably can afford to drop one series. Maybe that's like on the road at Arkansas or on the road in Kentucky. Um, you could probably drop another series. But like if you win these, let's say you win three of these last four series. Yeah, I think you're probably a national seed. I don't know how you could say they're not. Sorry, we're we're getting um, some updates from our staff at the at the same time as all this is going on. Remind me that there's a little bit of uh, football portal news to talk about oh. after we finish baseball. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you. So let's look at the series that that remain. Obviously, you still need to take care of your midweeks as well. But we have this weekend series at home versus Auburn. I think it's pretty much a disappointment if you don't take two or three of those. Um, you have Winthrop at Winthrop, uh, in the midweek, you have a series at Kentucky. That's going to be a tough one. Um, any road game in the SEC. Um, but let's say, yeah, even you ended up dropping that series and dropping the Arkansas series. Um, I think as long as you win what one versus Tennessee, you're that's, that's four wins to, uh, that gets you to seven. That gets you to seventeen in the league. You might need another one. I think you might need five SEC wins from here to get to get it. Okay, but that's still to me that seems very. Oh yeah, that, that's like average. Um, uh, five hundred baseball from here. Yeah, I think gets yeah. you home. Um, so I do think that that'll. Uh, I, I think you probably are disappointed if you don't end up. I think you definitely are at this point. After especially after what you did with LSU with Vanderbilt, with Florida, if you lost that or messed it up against, I mean, no disrespect, Kentucky's good. Arkansas is a top 10 team. Tennessee's got some mojo back. They just swept Vanderbilt, but you've got through the hard part. Um, at least on paper, I know any team can beat you in the SEC, but the part you were maybe more worried about or wondering if this team was good enough to get through is behind you now. And now you got to just keep the momentum going, get another home series this weekend. And we've seen that, they are riding the crowd uh, at Founders Park. Um, I believe that all three games this past weekend were sold out. Yep. And that's like the fourth, fourth time since time the park opened in 2009. Yeah. Um, so you end up with that national seed and you're in front of your home crowd all the way to ho Omaha. Yeah. Um, ideally. So they're 24 um, and 1 at home this year. I think that kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. So. Um, very exciting times. Uh, I, I I do think the thing that you keep bringing up is like this is the way it's supposed to feel, and this is the way that it felt, you know, a little over ten years ago around yeah. here. Um, and I I also think that they're taking on this attitude which uh, you tweeted about um, after the game, but the the win anyway attitude, right? They had tons of injuries this past past weekend, and next man 
uh, yep. of mentality about that. Uh, you have Noah Hall down who's been, I mean, but when he went down, he was your best starter yeah. on the season. Um, and, you know, they're, they're filling in, they're making it work. And you've got guys like Matthew Becker stepping up um, and Mahoney and, and Hicks. So it's uh, it's an exciting time. I'm really looking forward to, to how the rest of the stretch plays out. Um, and I'm sure there'll be a full ballpark for you guys again this weekend. Is that Friday, Saturday, Sunday series? Yes, back to a regular. I think I think they're all Friday, Saturday, Sunday until the last series before Hoover when everybody gets pushed up a day. But, yeah, they're out of the TV schedule changing, the Easter changes, the whatever. It's back to regular series the next few weekends. Great. Um, any other baseball notes that you wanted to mention? Anything about Auburn specifically uh, that – South Carolina fans should know about uh, or look at mainly that they're kind of desperate right now. I think they were in the last or the first five out of the last D one regional projection. They are uh, seven and eleven right now in the SEC. So like if they can get to 14, 15, they can make a regional, but they it's kind of getting late for them. Talent wise, the team South Carolina should handle. It's an Auburn pitching staff that isn't very deep that has walked a lot of batters, but you catch a desperate team and you never know. It's kind of my one thing that. South Carolina needs to be able to match that level of energy, of desperation, of whatever from Auburn. Um, and I think this is a good series to have at home just in that respect. Definitely. Um, and then other than baseball, now that spring practice is over, uh, football transfers are starting to heat up. The breaking news that we just saw uh, is that quarterback Braden Davis is uh, entering the transfer portal with four years of eligibility remaining. Um, not that surprising, something that we've been talking about really since last season, um, that that quarterback room was pretty crowded, only getting more crowded with the addition of Lenore Sellers, who had a nice spring game, uh, Dante Reno, who uh, by all means looks like a bona fide four-star coming in next season. Um, and then you have Tanner Bailey, Luke Doty, um, all those guys still hanging out there too. So we expected Davis – Probably one more. Um, I, I'm not going to – Colton Gauthier is probably my, my, my best guess there, but I, that is not coming from any information that we have. Uh, that's just me looking at the depth chart, looking at who got reps in the spring game um, and kind of wondering. But So Braden Davis. And then the other transfer portal note from this morning was uh, redshirt freshman D. Lyman Demetrius Watson – also yeah. entered the transfer portal, which that's another position that's pretty crowded uh, with a lot of talent. Um, you, you think about Boogie Huntley and um, you think about some of the freshmen that have come in, Xavier McLeod, um, Tonka Hemingway, who's going to play inside and out, yeah. Elijah Davis, who's going to play inside and out. So that's a move that, that sort of makes sense to me too. So, so far uh, in the spring portal period, nothing – too crazy. Um, Colin Henrik too. Yeah, walk on yeah. offensive lineman yesterday in the portal, or maybe not yesterday, but earlier this week. Yeah, so nothing, nothing too surprising uh, at the moment. But we'll obviously keep you posted. Uh, we'll probably start the transfer portal thread on the Insiders Forum on GameClassScoop.com again, like we did uh, in the in the winter, just to kind of keep up with all of that. And then the flip side of that is. Other uh, schools are going to start having some some people hit the portal. And I heard Colorado had a few enter, <laughs> a couple, yeah. Um, so that's going to be uh, 
opportunity for, for South Carolina to get some some people on campus. We've mentioned that they're going to target running back. Um, they're probably going to target edge if they can. They might target offensive line again if they can. Um, they, it, they brought on a couple linebackers uh, lately as well, um, which, you know, doesn't hurt to have one more veteran presence in that room too. So those are all things to kind of keep on your radar over the next few weeks from a football perspective. And we'll have updates on GameCast.com on that. Any other thoughts on anything that's been going on the past couple weeks? Did we miss anything? That's about it. All right. Well, uh, until next time, this has been the GameCockScoop.com podcast. Uh, if you want tons of written com- content every single day, go to GameCockScoop.com. Uh, you can access all of it for just $100 a year or a little less than $10 a month, depending on which way you want to go with that, uh, if you become a premium subscriber. And uh, we'll be back here next week with some Auburn uh, baseball review, uh, kind of looking ahead to the next series, which is Kentucky. Yep. Um, and any other football and NFL draft and all that fun stuff. So we will see you then. Till next time. See you.